الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وعباد الرحمن الذين يمشون على الأرض هونا وإذا خاطبهم الجاهلون قالوا سلاما والذين يبيتون لربهم سجدا وقياما صدق الله العظيم Most respected brothers and elders, mothers and sisters A few days back we had been discussing an incident about Mawana Sayyid Abu Al-Hasan Ali Nadwi Rahmatullah Alayhi and then in the cause of just commencing that incident we digressed to some other point that he had once discussed another lecture that he had given in Burma and the time went away in that discussion and this aspect that was commenced got left out and got forgotten for a while but now came back to mind so this is in a way going backwards in terms of the discussion but there's nothing backwards here if we take a lesson from this then everything that we take a lesson from is going forwards and if we don't take any lesson if we just listen for the sake of just well listening if we speak for the sake of just speaking and the speaker doesn't take any lesson from what is being spoken or the listeners don't take a lesson from what is being heard then that is indeed going backwards in a way so going backwards doesn't mean that now something that was partly discussed we're going back to the same ayat this is all going forward if we take a lesson from it so this was under the discussion of the of the ayat of Quran Sharif وَعِبَادُ الرَّحْمَانِ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَوْضِ هَوْنَا وَإِذَا خَاطَبَهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا that when the ignorant start engaging them, they just very nicely get out of it. They don't engage the ignorant in quarrels and disputes, etc. So in that regard, there was this discussion that came up about Sayyid, Sayyid Abu Hassan Ali Nadwi Rahmatullahi. We may have discussed something about him in the previous discussion, that he was a very great alim, very well well researched person a great historian he has written great books on history so he is a person who is very well versed was very well versed and especially in terms of history he was quite a prolific writer on history left many great works in this regard so now this person who is such a great alim, such a pious person, such a well-versed person, learned person, towards the latter part of his life, he one day gathered all his household, his children, and immediate family. So there were quite a number of them, children, children's children, maybe great-grandchildren, and whoever other immediate family might have been so he gathered all of them 
And then he addressed them and said to them, that I've called you for a very, very special purpose. Now this great alim, scholar, writer, great pious personality, great historian, somebody who the whole world, in terms of those who had any knowledge of, were involved in the knowledge of deen, the whole world more or less knew him. Through his books and through his writings, etc. So he now gathers his family and says to them that I've gathered you for a very special purpose. So what could that very special purpose be? Then he addressed them and said to them that Alhamdulillah, I have studied the history of great families in the past. The cause of his research in history and whatever he has written about the great personalities of the past. So in that process, the discussion about their families would come as well in the historical records. Because he's written a very comprehensive book and very voluminous book, in fact, on this note, which has been uh, translated into English as well, tarikh e dawat wa azimat This is the Urdu, the original that he has written. And this has been translated into English in about six, seven volumes. So, in the course of the study, he says, I have studied about the families of great pious people, great personalities of deen, and people who had very great prominence in dunya as well. So, I studied this, and then I studied about their families after these pious people left and after some time, one, two generations later, some time later, the families lost the legacy of this great personality. Their forefather, those pious people that were there, and that legacy was lost. And gradually, all kinds of things started creeping into those generations that came later. And in a short while, after a few, maybe one, two generations later, there was like no sign left of what was the legacy of their great, great, great grandfather. So, he then addressed his family and said to them, that now in the light of what I have studied, and what I saw in terms of the history of these people, what led to their downfall, what led to them losing whatever they had in terms of the legacy of those great people that were before them. In the light of all that, I am giving you three lessons. I am mentioning three things. If you act upon these three things, so he didn't get into all those other details because this was the purpose. The purpose was to give a lesson. The purpose was to share a very important aspect so, he didn't get into all those details which he had studied. He got to the crux of it. He said, I am giving you now in the light of all this, I am giving you three lessons, three things. If you hold on to this, you act upon it, inshallah you will continue to flourish as a family, meaning in terms of this great legacy that your forefathers have left for you, because mashallah this family, they were very great personalities. Hazrat Ali was one of them. But even his father, etc., were all great ulama. So he said to them that this legacy that has come to us, 
if you hold on to these three lessons that I'm going to give you, you will flourish as a family. I was this just to keep some family name only going? No. The legacy that came to the family was very great. It was a legacy of deen. A legacy of serving deen. A legacy of sacrificing for Allah Ta'ala. Of making akhirat the objective of life. This was what was prominent in this family. So this is what he wanted to continue, that to see it flourishing. Therefore he addressed them, that look, you hold on to these three lessons, then inshallah you'll continue flourishing as a family. And you lose this, then you will also finish off where others finished off. So now this was a very profound point, that in the light of all the discussions that he studied in history, he is now giving three aspects. Now, if you and I have to be selecting some things from some historical record, Allah knows best how relevant that might be. We might just pick something from here and there which might not even be really uh, relevant to those who are going to now follow thereafter. Here is a person with deep knowledge, whose knowledge was very greatly acclaimed and whose service to deen was acknowledged, was acknowledged, who was regarded as a very great personality, and whose books and writings were testimony to this. Now he is saying that I have selected three things. Now what might be the level of that? This is the context in which we have to understand these three aspects. That is not just a random selection of a person who doesn't have any true idea of how to extract the lessons from history, some person who doesn't have knowledge. No, this person has great knowledge and he was a person who was greatly uh, loved by all the Akabir of the time. So in any case, to go on to the lessons that he then gave to his family and each one of these lessons is something to inscribe on our hearts. Now he's talking about flourishing as a family. It's obvious if an individual does this, then that individual will flourish. But if that whole family is a family unit, now, this is also important that we keep Dean alive in our entire family, in our progenies to come. We make an effort for that. So therefore, to bring this alive in everybody, to teach it from time to time, to remind one another, in a nice way, to keep highlighting these aspects, to keep reminding ourselves, reminding others, because we have to remain steadfast on deen ourselves, we have to remain, bring our families onto deen entirely, keep them steadfast on deen as well. So then he went on to discuss the three lessons. The first lesson he gave to them was, he said, look, never ever be the oppressor, never ever be the zalim. You rather be the Muslim, the oppressed one, but don't ever become the zalim. Now, outwardly, this doesn't seem to have too much of relevance to what was stated, that you keep on to these three things, you'll flourish as a family. But if you just look beneath the surface, you'll see how full of lesson this is, and how it is very relevant to this. Much of what is lost in terms of dunya, and especially in terms of deen also, is related to zulm. Zulm, zulm brings about 
destruction in dunya also and it brings about the destruction of deen as well. In the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that Allah Ta'ala does not reject the, the prayer, the dua, the call of the oppressed one. And Allah Ta'ala says, I will help you even if it's after a while, whatever Allah's hikmat is in that we cannot understand. Allah Ta'ala's profound wisdom is in everything. Allah Ta'ala says, I will help you. Now sometimes that cry of the Muslim, that Muslim is not even a person of Iman. If he dies in that condition without Iman, he is doomed to everlasting destruction. But in dunya, if he also calls out for justice to Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala's help will come to him. How it will come, in which form it will come, how that retribution, how that revenge will get exacted from the person who oppressed him, that's all in Allah Ta'ala's nizam, and Allah Ta'ala's system. But that zulm brings about its consequences. Now, when zulm is perpetrated, the destruction comes in dunya also, and the destruction comes in deen as well. In dunya, as a result of zulm, the barakat goes. And then sometimes it eats up even beyond the barakat. Meaning one is just the barakat is gone, then the actual very uh, thing itself goes. Or some hardship comes, some difficulty, so many things happen as a result of that zulm. And more often than not, the mind doesn't even go to what the root cause of the issue is. The zulm that was perpetrated gets forgotten. As it is often said, that khuda ki lati mein awaz nahi. That in the stick of Allah Ta'ala, there is no sound. Like a whoop. Or you whoop somebody. If you go to whoop, that whoop makes a sound. In the stick of Allah Ta'ala, there is no sound. Meaning it comes silently. It comes in a way that a person doesn't even have any idea where this came from, where it's linked to, what is the background to this. Because all that got forgotten, even at that moment when the zulm was perpetrated sometimes, not even a thought crosses the mind that this too is zulm. One is state oppression. That everybody understands. But then how often there's individual capacity oppression? On an individual level, on a domestic level, on a family level, on a neighborly level, on a level in society, in a business level, between employer and employee, in so many different spheres of life. Zulm takes place and there isn't even a thought crossing the mind that I have committed Zulm. Sometimes if the child is punished beyond what was required, the child was punished in a way that was not correct, that can become zulm. Just depends what exactly was done, but that can become zulm. Now, that doesn't cross the mind. Sometimes one spouse says or does something to the other which constitutes zulm, but that doesn't cross the mind. Sometimes children deal with their parents in such a way that constitutes zulm. But it doesn't cross the mind that this too is zulm. Sometimes between neighbors, there's some things between people in the workplace, between the 
person the, of the house and the helper, the maid, the employer in the, and the employee in the business. So many things happen and it doesn't even cross the mind that I have committed zulm. Now when this zulm happens once, twice, five times, Allah Ta'ala gives respite, this person will make amends, make toba, rectify the problem. But this goes on, it perpetuates, and after some time it reaches a peak. But all those small, small things which seem small to us, in reality was not small, nothing is small. It all reached a peak. Then sometimes apparently some small thing happens, but that small thing is actually the straw on the camel's back. There's a whole load on the camel's back which is almost breaking it. Now one more straw was left to come. It needed one more gram to now strain it to the extreme and to cause it to break. Now the person looks at that straw and he says, how can the straw break the camel's back? The straw didn't break the camel's back, but that straw contributed to finally breaking it. But that whole load had already been filled up onto it beforehand. Allah forbid, Allah forbid that in the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah Wasallam says that Allah Ta'ala gives the zalim respite. Inna Allah yumli zalim. Allah Ta'ala gives the zalim respite. Allah Ta'ala gives him rope as we say. Allah Ta'ala gives him rope, gives him rope. But then when he doesn't take heed, doesn't sort his nut out, doesn't stop the wrong that he's doing, then Nabi Islam says, but when Allah Ta'ala then takes hold of him, him, Allah Ta'ala takes him to task, then he doesn't leave him. Then Allah forbid, Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala save us, then it's a very, very, very difficult situation. So, now this is that very deep lesson that this great personality, this great scholar, this great historian, he's giving to his family. That many things that happen that destroy families, it can be traced down to some kind of zulm. One party to the other, in some way or the other, in word, in deed, in some way or the other, the zulm starts. Then whether within the family, outside the family, to somebody else, outside, wherever, but then this starts eroding the qualities. And this starts bringing the, taking away all the barakat. Then sometimes there's an increase in numbers. The numbers increase, the numbers in so many different ways. The numbers in things, the numbers in wealth, the numbers in progeny, the numbers, but the barakat goes away from it. And as a result, it's like something that, it starts creating so much of problems and issues, so the more it comes, the more problems come. So to keep that barakat, one very crucial aspect is to keep checking within ourselves. Have I committed any zulm? Any word that I said, any deed of mine, any matter of mine, how I conducted myself. This is like almost daily occurrence between spouses, in homes, in businesses, in anywhere and everywhere. And as mentioned, that it doesn't even cross the mind. So it, often, because it hasn't crossed the mind that is zulm, we don't even make any, take any steps to make amends, to ask somebody for forgiveness, or to put right what, what happened, what was wrong. It just carries on. We just forget about it. So, this was the very, very profound lesson. That don't ever commit oppression. <coughs> 
the Maha on one occasion expressed one or mentioned one incident in his own lifetime as a child and highlighting that how this particular lesson was ingrained in him never to commit any oppression. Now in those days the helpers that would help in the homes they were of the lowest rung of society. What we think nowadays we can't even imagine that. They were like nobodies. And they believed themselves also to be like almost like Oh, we have no, nothing, anybody says anything to us, does anything to us, we just have to digest it quietly and carry on. So the Maha says that there was a lady working in their home, helping in their home, and she had a little child as well. So this child, now this child is the servant's child, and those servants of those days were regarded as generally, not necessarily everybody did this, but in society, that is how they were like nobodies. And they dare not say anything or do anything because uh, they might lose their job or whatever the case is. And there's no recourse they have. So now then the servant's child, what level is a servant's child going to be? So the Maha says that this child also used to be in the house with them. And many a times or several times it happened that... If ever in the process of while the children, now he was a young child himself, little child, this child, while playing, if he did something that was wrong, like he hit that child, in whichever way, his mother would not let it go past, she would insist that that child also give him that shot back, just to teach him that lesson, that look, this is wrong, this is totally wrong, this is zulm. So now once when that child, when he hit the child, so now once this happened, one incident happened, he hit the child. So when he hit the child, his mother was informed because his mother had given strict instructions that if ever he does anything in, in a way that he exceeded the limits, that must not be allowed to go unchecked. She must be informed about it. These were people who understood what his tarbiyat all about. So now his mother was informed this is what happened. So his mother came and she is saying to this child that you hit him now. Now this is her child on one side, that is the servant's child. She is saying to the servant's child, you hit my child now. That child might have been four or five years old at that time. That child just didn't have the courage to do anything. He's sitting, he's standing there just dumbfounded. His mother is saying to him, that servant's child, you hit him now, you hit my child. So he just didn't have the courage to do it. So she took the child's hand, that servant's child's hand, and she came and gave with the took that hand and she moved it and gave her child a shot with it. Just to teach him this lesson that look, you should not hit anybody, that is Zulm. Because that will now bring its consequences. Now to this extent, now that servant's child who was regarded as nobody, that servant regarded as nobody, but that was the honor of people that she had, honor of people that she had, honor of people that she had, and she instilled. They don't regard the servant as just anybody, any, any, just to be treated anyhow. Even that servant has their dignity. They also have their dignity, they have their respect, and don't commit oppression and zulm to them also. Because committing zulm and oppression on anyone, even it can be a disbeliever, that will bring its consequences. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us.
So this was the first very, very deep lesson, very profound lesson, that don't ever commit oppression, don't ever be the oppressor, you rather be the Muslim. Because with the Muslim is the help of Allah Ta'ala. The Muslims' du'as get accepted. And the Zalim, the Zalim upon the Zalim is curse of Allah Ta'ala. So you rather be the Muslim if you're going to be having a choice, so to say, that one of the two, whereas there's no such a situation that it is either you're going to be the Muslim or Zalim, but supposing it became a situation where you've got a choice of either being Muslim or Zalim, you rather be Muslim. Because Muslim, the Muslim, the Muslim is the one upon whom the Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala descends. The Muslim's du'as get answered. The Muslim will take the rewards of the Zalim. Now this is the destruction of deen. That on the day of Qiyamah, the person who had committed zulm and did not settle it on earth, then on the day of Qiyamah, the Muslim will take all his rewards of his amal, of that salah, that fasting, that hajj, the sadaqah and charity, the tasbihat and the tilawat of the Quran Sharif and the sacrificing for deen and great, great amal and all that will be dished out to the Muslim. Now already in dunya it brings such problems and difficulties, the barakat goes away, so many other issues come, calamities come and in akhirat, in akhirat all the good deeds get wiped out. What a tragedy, what a disaster. Now, this is a very, very important aspect. So therefore, Salman gave this first lesson to his family and said to them, you rather be the Muslim, don't ever be the Zalim. Now, if we just ponder ourselves, this is the thing that we are missing. This is the thing that we are missing, pondering, reflecting, reflecting. Taking time to sit down, to reflect upon our lives, to reflect, reflect upon our relationships, on how we conduct ourselves with the various people that we interact with, to reflect upon how we interact with people in the business world, how we interact with people when we have to uh, transact with them in some way, whatever the case might be, any relationships for that matter, to sit down and reflect, what is my position, how am I conducting myself? Yes, some mistakes occur, we are all insan, we are weak, we have a lot of mistakes. But if we reflect, the most important thing that will happen is that we'll start recognizing these problems. We'll start recognizing the zulm that we commit sometimes. We'll start recognizing the extent of the zulm. And if that is achieved, that too is a big step forward. Because if a person starts repeatedly recognizing that this is zulm that I'm committing, inshallah I'll start livening the conscience and some feeling of guilt will come in the heart. And that will inshallah spur a person towards making amends, making tawbah, seeking forgiveness and making amends, sorting out whatever might have been done which was wrong. So this is the first step to start recognizing that we are, what we are doing, how we are conducting ourselves. And that requires reflection, reflection. And if that reflection doesn't seem to give us a full picture, then we have to inquire. This is my life. This is how I go about things. This is how I deal with this person. This is how I deal with that person. We will have some doubt somewhere. Not about everything that is straightforward. But there is something that is now 
not, not seeming maybe 100%, whereas sometimes only 5%, it's only 1%. To us, it's just seeming some doubt, little bit in the matter. But when we will discuss it, we'll realize this was a very big problem. That is extremely important that we sit down to reflect, think about it. How I speak is that speaking sometimes becoming zulm. What kind of messages I'm sending around? Is that in any way becoming zulm? Is it causing uh, mental torture to anybody? What kind of manner do I, and approach do I use with people? Now, these are day-to-day things. But those day-to-day things sometimes could constitute zulm. And this is therefore very, very important that we sit and reflect. These are fundamental lessons we are trying to get closer to Allah wa ta'ala, as discussed that the Ibadur Rahman the most important aspect in their lives is taqwa. And taqwa essentially is to refrain from sin. So zulm is also a very major sin. So taqwa requires that we check within ourselves. Am I in any way guilty of this? We are insan. We might have made mistakes. But that is a real insan who then uh, makes amends, who sincerely repents, sincerely repents, who seeks forgiveness, who writes the wrong, then now that person, mashallah, is progressing. So may Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Inshallah, we'll continue with this discussion. Allah ta'ala bless us with the ability to rectify all our mistakes. Allah ta'ala grant us the tawfiq of making our complete islah and tazkiyah and becoming his true servants. May Allah ta'ala include us among the ibadur rahman. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه 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 وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا رب صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله 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 لا 
يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث أصلح لنا شأننا كله ولا تكلنا إلى أنفسنا طرفة عين فإنك إن تكلنا إلى أنفسنا تكلنا إلى ضعف وذنب وعورة وخطيئة اللهم لا تكلنا إلى أنفسنا طرفة عين ولا تنزع منا صالح ما أعطيتنا ولا تنزع منا صالح ما أعطيتنا ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا إنك جامع الناس اليوم لا ريب فيه إن الله لا يخلف الميعاد اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارحم أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اهدي أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم فرج الكرب عن أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم انصر الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر الإسلام والمسلمين ربنا لا تآخذنا إن نسينا وأخطأنا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إسرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه جمعين الحمد لله رب